Hello, listeners. Welcome to Yowie Fine Girl versus the World. This is Zitasha. And this is Zaidi. And today we're going to be dis- discussing the white book, Le Libre Blanc by Jean Cocteau or Jean Cocteau, whichever. He's, fr- he's, he's French. 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 <laughs> 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 we said French three times. <laughs> Alright, so this book was published in 1928? Yeah, about like around around the 1920s. Yeah, the late 20s. Yeah, in France. And then the first published, the first English publication, I think was in 83. Really? I thought it was 57. Uh, no, it was translated oh. in English in about, in the 80s. Yeah, you were the one who um, introduced this book to me. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. you introduced me to this book. Me to this book. <laughs> uh, introduced this book to me. I literally went up to sit her and was like, hey book, this is ID. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um, Jean Cock, for a long time, you know what? I think you were right. It was 1953. Now that I'm thinking about it. You got to excuse me. My memory is not that great. But um, at the time that it was published, it was published anonymously. Um, Jean Cocteau did not want to take any type of ownership for it because unfortunately because of the time period because of um, the taboo the taboo and his mother was still alive and even now he even as time passed on and stuff like that he was very vague about um, taking ownership for this novel even the book itself, as I was reading along initially, it was kind of vague. Like, I was kind of having trouble catching on exactly what was going on. Yeah, well, the way it's written is written in narrative form, first of all. And it's written kind of autobiographical. And it alludes to a lot of stuff happening without saying it happened. But the, the cool thing about the white book is that it comes with artwork. So everything alludes to, you see in, well, you see kind of homoerotic artwork along with it. <laughs> so it's like, I remember this one, he was talking about um, his gardener mm-hmm. and how the gardener was very magnificent. He was very magnificent. He had a great body and stuff like this. Ooh. And then right next to it was a picture of the gardener with his penis out. <laughs> <laughs> So that was one of the great things about this book that I really like, that you got artwork. So even though it's not graphically, not graphically, but... Um, explicit. Explicitly. But there is male... Sexual. Yeah, but there is male nudity yeah. in the artwork. The artwork has a lot of, uh, yeah, nudity, but the words themselves, it's kind of like poetry. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. I guess that's why I had trouble catching on in the first half of the book. Kind of like poetry. And he takes you through his life in um, a series of three major stories. The first one is when he's a child and he discovers that he likes boys for the first time. Mm -hmm. We're introduced to the gardener. We're introduced to, um, what's his name? Diagnes? Like a a schoolmate. A schoolmate who he... Was very mature looking for his age. And uh, yeah, and he was very in love with. And then, of course, tragedy, which is interesting about this book. In all as- assets of his romantic entanglement, they ended in tragedy. Mm-hmm. So you have with Diagnes, he passed away 
you have with um, the second part of his life, the um, what's his name, Pants the Chance. Uh, yeah. The Chance. Mm-hmm. He. I forgot what happened to him. He died. That's what happened. But I forgot what. It it, it, it led it, up to him dying. In short, <laughs> in this particular, if, if you if you ever had the chance to read this book, expect a lot of angst and and, and a lot of tragedy along the way. And then there was also like, cause as he's going along in order to kind of like deny, you know, who he really is. I think he had two affairs. He had two affairs with, um, with women, with women. Yeah. But of course both ended not quite. Yeah. One of them, he was going to marry her, but he fell in love with the brother instead. Yeah. Oh, that's and a, that ended in a tragic situation with the brother taking his own life. That. Yep, and then, and then he tried to join the monastery, and they were like, "No." Yeah, <laughs> they're they're like, it's like, yeah, this is way out of your element. Yeah, they were like, "Please think about this." I was <laughs> I was kind of surprised about that. You think they want people, but they were yeah. like, "Please think about this. This requires commitment." But yeah, um, oh, and, and another interesting thing I thought um, when he was explaining about his life, he mentioned his dad. And how he thought his dad was a homosexual. And how he felt like if his dad was just true to himself, then he wouldn't have been born. Or he, if he was born, he would have had a much better... He would have had someone to talk to. Someone to say, hey... Identify with. Yeah, to identify with. So I thought that was pretty interesting, too, that he talked about his dad. And... Um, And the second... uh, And the second woman that uh, he struck a relationship with um i think she was like a prostitute or something like yes. that and of course he was actually he was actually more in love with her pimp with the pimp and they had this whole relationship but again it became the dictomy of um the pimp could not give up women because the taboo of it and he in every single relationship he had he wanted commitment to him but they lived at the time because of society pressure and because of being gay was so taboo. Then these men he fell in love with, who had relationships with, didn't want to be with him fully. They wanted to live normal lives. So they had women, they had people that some of them wanted to marry, stuff like that. And he, so he felt the majority of the time alone. I found this book very, very sad. Yeah. That's the one thing about this that... I was crying at parts. Wow. Like, I'm like, it's it's a very sad book because you have this person who, you know, just wanted to be himself, but society didn't allow him to be true to who he was. Mm-hmm. Because usually when you hear France, usually you would think, you know, sexual liberty, sexual freedom and so forth. But it seems that, you know, even in certain times, it was kind of like, uh, hold everything. You know, nope, nope, you can't, you can't do that. And so, yeah, it wasn't until about like towards the end that, that it, that it finally does click and I'm finally able to understand a little bit more and, and that, yeah, it is, it's very sad. It's very tragic how, you know, he could not be himself and, um, and then he becomes an isolationist. He isolates himself from society because he was like, if society doesn't accept me, then I shouldn't be in society. Mm-hmm. So. But he actually, um, I've act- the, his name sounded so familiar. So when I looked him up, 
uh, I saw that that he's actually, you know, he he he's became a, a director yeah. and a director. And uh, if you're familiar with the classic uh, Beauty and the Beast the film, yeah, version. yeah, like the 1940s yeah. version, the French film uh, La Belle et la Bête, and uh, it's like it's like, oh my gosh, this is the same man. Yep. It's the same guy. Same guy. And also, um, the actor who plays the Beast was the director's lover in real life. So yeah. when I learned that, I'm like, oh, oh I, ne- I never knew. Yeah, he did a lot of great French um, films. He did Le Infantes, Terribles is another good one that he did. The Terrible Infants? Yeah. Okay. And uh, he did a bunch of... Great he, ones. Yeah, he did. A, yeah, I saw the titles, but I've never seen them. The Beauty and the Beast one was the only one that I've seen. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of my favorite things I'm going to quote apart from this book, it was at the end where he talked about this was after his last lover died. And he was like, I felt I could no longer live in this world where ill luck and mourning haunted me. I could not resort to suicide because of my faith. This fate and the disturbed state in which I had remained since relinquishing religious practices led me to the idea of entering a monastery. So this is how alone and just so, so like, not sad, that's not the word, desperate he was. Mm -hmm. That's the word, desperate he was for some type of connection because he felt like the world didn't care for him or love him in any way um, because of all this tragedy. And then he was like, I'm going to enter the monastery. <laughs> and the monastery didn't Even the want monastery him. told him no. <laughs> and I felt so bad. Like, because oh my God. Even the monastery told him no. And then he was like, well, I'm going to become an isolationist. I fully realized that an ideal fit for termites, like the Russian ideal, which tends towards a parole, condemns the singular in one of its most lofty forms. <laughs> so he was like, I shall depart. Leaving this book behind. It that that sounds like a like a memoir. It is. It does. It is. It's supposedly semi autobiographical, but like we said, it's still vague and if it's true or not. But then again, if you lived in a time period where you know being gay, for instance, was still frowned upon, and if you wanted to at least leave a little bit of your legacy, you know, you might not want to be. You know, you don't want to risk being too explicit in your in telling your story. Yeah. And the so- one thing I I actually did not do, and I should have done when I looked up when I um, read this book again for the podcast. I did a long time ago, but I do, I don't remember now. I had looked up um, what France was like during that time. And it's been so long and I didn't look it up again and I really should have because I had some pregnant information to say and I totally forgot what it was. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So go look up like that time period and what was going on in France with homosexuality and stuff like that Mm -hmm. during that time period. Yep. It kind of makes me want to take on reading uh, Morris or Maurice. Maurice. Yeah. It makes me kind of want to read that. Because it's a good story. You should read that and Giovanni's room. I can't say this enough. The one thing I love about Giovanni's room is this juxtaposition to the Red Scare. So definitely read Giovanni's room. Okay. It also takes place abroad. Okay. In, in France or Spain? I can't remember right now. 
<laughs> you know how my memory is. It's yeah, horrible. yeah. I have a horrible memory, listeners. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, sometimes <laughs> I do too. You know, that I'm not immune to. I'm not immune to have. It's yeah. It's uh. But yeah, I think Morris should definitely be something we should talk about sometime down the road because yeah, I'm I mean, gonna have to reread Morris. I'm gonna have to reread that. But yeah, definitely, we should definitely talk about it. Um, on a lighter note, what is one thing that you're into that's yaoi based right now? What do you mean, like um, anything, like movie, couplehood, anything? You mean like, you know, like what kind of relationships that I prefer? Or no, like you know, what is one thing that what you're is obsessed, one th- obsessed with right now? That's oh, yaoi. like what is it about yaoi that? No, what is something that you're obsessed with right now that's yaoi? Or like for right now, I just. I just rewatched all of Attack of Titan, the first three seasons, uh-huh. and now I'm obsessed with um, Aaron and uh, God, what's his name? What does he look like? Not Levi, Aaron and oh, oh, it it, it, it disappeared. What well, he... Aaron and Levi is one. Armin, Aaron oh, and Armin. Armin. I'm yeah. obsessed with them right now. So. Some yeah. reading a bunch of fan fiction that's Aaron and Armin related, <laughs> but there's not a lot. A lot of them are threesomes with Aaron, Armin, and Levi, and I'm just like, really? Yeah. I mean, like, oh. I know, I know that there's like one or the other. Like in the case of Aaron and Levi, you know, it could be either yeah. or. Although honestly, I kind of prefer Aaron being, you know, the semi in the relationship. I mean, when he's older, preferably. Yeah. But anywho, you know, that's sort of deal. But anywho, like like favorite ships or oh something um. you're obsessed with right now this is my current obsession Erin <laughs> and Armin but unfortunately they're Thruckles relationships so Erin, Armin and Levi I guess <laughs> I do like Levi though I really do like him but I just don't like him with um, Armin in the same equation in the relationship oh, okay. sense yeah okay if hmm. anything I, I I ship him with Erwin Yes. Brian Irwin. Yes, they're those, those two are usually shipped a lot. And rightfully so. Exactly. Anywho, uh, let's see, to answer your question, oof. Okay, so I was watching a little bit of, and don't judge me, uh, of Pearl Harbor by Michael Bay. I'm judging you. <laughs> Just hear me out. It's like, it, it's kind of like, like, not necessarily a guilty pleasure, but just that it's like, you know, this could have been, this could have, this could have been written out way better. Like, first off, um, you know, you want to add like a romantic plot tumor, which basically is like a, a trope that, you know, where you add like a romance into a film or, or any kind of form of entertainment that really just doesn't fit in with the plot. Uh, so you've got Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett. Their characters were childhood friends. And you know what? You know, instead of like having like this sort of semi love triangle, when you throw in the, the, the pretty nurse in the, uh, in the picture, how about, uh, Josh Hartnett's character is actually gay and in love with Ben Affleck's character. But of course, this being the 40s, he can't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and it's just like, you know, that sounds a little bit more doable because seriously, you know, so you've got Ben Affleck's character and the girl uh, played by Kate Beckinsale and... I love Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, don't get me wrong. She, she, she's a lovely actress, but... You know, the point is, it's like, so you put those two together, Ben Affleck's character goes off to Britain to 
join alongside the RAF. He quote unquote gets killed. You know, everybody on Spoiler mainland, alert, if you haven't seen this movie. <laughs> I would I probably wouldn't even bother with spoiler alerts because you know that movie was like almost 20 I know, years I'm, ago. I'm being sarcastic. But anywho, I haven't seen Pearl Harbor, the Michael Bay version. Yeah, don't yeah, don't even bother. It has it, Michael Bay's name. I'm not bothering at all. Yeah, but but it's like it's so it's like yeah. So he's dead. Everybody's you know mourning for him and so forth. And then she and the childhood best friend, you know, they grieve together and so forth. So it's like okay, but how about? It would just be a series of misunderstanding that everybody thinks, oh, oh, wow, she's moving on fast, you know, but it's like, no, nothing of the sort has happened. Oh, so they should be together instead of... But, you know, guess who comes back from the dead? <laughs> the Does he really come back from the dead in the movie? Yeah, because it turns out he wasn't dead at all. He survived somehow. How? I... I don't know. Is, are the characters in Pearl Harbor based on real people? No, not really. Oh, okay. It's so like, imagine... Just the event Yeah, just real, the event, yeah. Not the characterization. Like, like, yeah, like, think Titanic, but, you know, 1940s, you know, <laughs> up, to, up to the Pearl Harbor attack. And Did he not make room on the, on the door either? <laughs> Still mad about that. I, I there know. was room. He could have been saved. Ugh, but poor Leo. That's <laughs> <laughs> a freeze oh, to death. Oh, but it's yeah, yeah. That that still baffles my mind to this day after over twenty years. Supposedly, like people ask them about it all the time too. Yeah, they're like every time like he's doing an interview or something, they're like. Was there room on t- on that thing? Especially the girl who plays Rose. I can't remember her name. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah, they asked her about it all the time. They're like, "Was there not room on the boat?" <laughs> on the, it was a door. On and a door. Yeah. On the I'm door. pretty sure they've done it just right. You know, they would have been able to fit. You know, Dude, both. MythBusters. I think did a whole thing about it. And it turns out, like, I guess maybe it wasn't impossible. Yeah. It, it was, it wasn't possible after all after that, all, that, yeah. it, that it would be too heavy and therefore, you know, but, but still it's like, you guys could have at least just tried. tried. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway, but anywho, we're just rambling on again because that's what because we what do. We, do, we ramble. That's ramble, what we ramble. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. You'd think that would be a clear indicator, but, um, but yeah, it's just, so, but yeah, I wouldn't exactly call what I was just talking about, like an obsession, just something that I wanted to, you know, just get out, get off my chest because it's like, seriously, this could have been done way better. Like, first off, let's keep the whole romance thing, you know, to a minimum. But if I had to say anything though, and this is something I'm going to have to mention sometime down the road, welcome to Night Vale. That's still my thing. You're still obsessed. Yes. Wait, it didn't come up yet. Yeah, welcome to Night Vale, which will be in our next episode. Yeah, if not our next episode, but sometime down, sometime, you know, down the trail, because, I mean, come on, you know. I know. Just for those who... The ships are abound in that one. For those who have not heard of Welcome to Night Vale, please check out the pilot episode. It's the first one. You, you won't be disappointed because that's basically what reeled me in. That it, It's also a podcast. And that's also a podcast, Welcome exactly. Welcome to Night Vale. Yes, so if you're into all sorts of weird stuff, 
this podcast is just for you. Think of, um, God, what's that anime, not anime, that cartoon called where the brother and the sister go to live with their uncle and it's in this, and all these weird things keep happening. God, what's it called? Mm. I can't remember the name of this cartoon. All I know is that it's basically like, um, like the X-Files, Supernatural, the Twilight Zone, and H.P. Lovecraft and Stephen King all rolled into and one. And that cartoon, if I ever remember the name. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. It really is like that. That's literally, and I keep recommending this cartoon to you two. And I can't believe I've forgotten the name. But it's definitely like Welcome to Night Vale. Uh-huh. Um, you have the strange things keep happening all around them and stuff like that. And you have the brother and sister who's trying to figure out just they keep going on to these little mini adventures with all the strange things that happen and it's just it's normal for this town it's just normal (laughs) yeah that these strange things happening and they and they're they seem like the odd people out because they're questioning it (laughs) it's like no this just happens here (laughs) i can't remember the name of that cartoon but we're gonna wrap it up because we've gotten off track way off track way off track and way off time we've we've been trying a new thing where we're trying to set a specific time to end this it's not working but um so i apologize again for having weird weird timage yeah some of them are 45 minutes long some of them are 10 some of them are 20 some of them are 30 we keep having so we're trying to get it down so we have a set time for it um a certain amount of minutes for it but we're gonna keep working on that yep but thank you for listening and we'll see you next time in yaoi fan girls versus the world all right have a good night everybody